0: network and and so we uh, invited him last week and he came and spoke and you know I just want to encourage you you know if you live in the Smyrna area or you know people who do either you need to go leave vintage and go to their church or you um, just need to find somebody who lives there and invite them Uh, what they're doing Josh and Sarah are it's one of those deals I, I love seeing good pastor but I love seeing good teams even better husbands and wives who are working together, who are serving. I mean, she has her own MDiv, uh, and so she is, they're to be this like team, more in M MDiv, a master's in divinity, uh, master's in counseling, master's in counseling, excuse me, it's her own master's. And so in that, she just is called into full-time ministry with him, and they are just an incredible team. And so I am, I honestly, I'm, honestly, I'm excited about all of our churches. Right now, I'm most excited about them. And what they're doing. So I encourage you, if you enjoyed last week, continue to pray for them. Continue, if you even think about it, you can encourage them via email. If you don't have their email address, I can't tell you right now, but I can get it to you. Uh, But just encourage them. They're on Facebook. Go friend them on Facebook, Instagram, and you can connect with them that way. But just continue to pray for and encourage them. Uh, We want them to be much better than vintage ever has been. Right? That's what we're praying for. God, may they be twice as good, three times, ten times as good as vintage, and that would be awesome. All right, let's dive in. Uh, you know, one of, those things, one of the things about Randall and I, you know that we're around people all the time, and, and sometimes, hey, Chase is looking for his parents. Where are they? Chase, you lost, bro? Where are you? There you go. Fantastic. All right, um, welcome. So, so when, you know, one of the things about life that we're around people all the time, around people all the time, and, and, sometimes, and we have, like all of you, you have an idea or, or perception that you think you're expressing to people, right? That, that when they when they think about you, when someone thinks about you, you have in mind what they, they should be thinking about, right? Because you you had this idea, this persona that you think that you're exuding to people. But Randall and I, sometimes we sit back and go, I wonder what they actually think about us, <laughs> right? Like, we wonder exactly what kind of persona are we actually Portraying for people. I wonder if it's actually accurate with what we think. That it is. Right. Because no matter what's happening, each of you, you have an understanding of someone's persona. Like if I were to right now name one of your friends, they described you you got five seconds to describe them. You go and you'd have an immediate thought that comes to mind, wouldn't you? For every single person that you know, you say, well, they're so funny. They're so nice. They're so aloof. Let's be honest. They're mean, whatever it may be. Right. You would have some way to describe them because each of us, each person Ha- exude something from themselves that others see and others experience. And it would, and it's honestly, it'd be a fun game sometimes just to play that game with people, wouldn't it? <laughs> right? No, because it was like, what are you really thinking about? I mean, because there's this whole dynamic because we exude something. and the, And the same is true in the context of our Christian life. That in the context of being a Christian, a follower of Jesus, we're portraying something of our Christian life every day to people that we are around. We are either expressing the greatness of God, or we're expressing the exact opposite, possibly I'm sure not for any of you, or maybe unfortunately we're exuding a nothingness of the presence of God. In our lives to the point that if I were to sit down and say to someone, "Hey, tell me how I'm doing at exuding Christ in my life to you as someone that does not know Him," how would they answer that? Like I'm not, and I'm not saying this for like to like dun 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 condemnation. That's not what I'm I'm getting at. the the The, the biblical term that we use is there is always fruit that is birthed out of our life, isn't there? Like we are a tree. We are the tree of God in a sense. And we, are, we, we have fruit that's being born that people are supposed to be able to eat from our tree every day, right? That there is fruit. We see it, love, joy, peace, patience, all in the line, right? There are these, this fruit that should exude from our life every day. Fruit that people should be able to, to partake of. And and I do wonder sometimes what kind of fruit am I producing on my tree? Is it edible? Is it appealing? Does it automatically draw people to it? Because good fruit trees, people are like that's it, right? it both looks good and it tastes good. And this morning I want to lead us into this moment of just self-awareness, right? I call it the discipline of self-awareness, not not self-absorption, right? Like I'm absorbed myself and I'm all about me, but I'm just aware of my the fruit in my life. But I'm aware of what I'm producing. I'm aware of what's going on. I'm aware if people are drawn to the Jesus in me, right? I want to be aware of these things because if it's not, like, listen, some people produce attractive fruit, but when they bite into it, it's not, it's not tasteful, right? Like it's when you get around people, it's like, oh, yeah, and you're like, oh, not so much, And so I want us to be people who, when we're going after our real life, which is kind of what we're going after for 2014, we want to lead you to your real life, being who God called you to be, and doing what God called you to do. My question for us is, are we producing fruit in keeping with the real life that God has designed and prepared for us? We want to be people. We want to to be people who are expressing fruit that is wooing people to the Jesus in us. And we have to be honest with ourselves and our discipline of self-awareness. What kind of fruit is my tree producing? Because the nature of our fruit, and I want you to hear this. There, everybody hear this real quick. There is no such thing as just a personal faith. Now, you have a personal faith in Jesus, but it's not, your faith can't just be personal. It's both personal and public at the same time. Jesus describes us in different ways throughout Scripture. Number one, we are called ambassadors of Christ, or representatives right we represent jesus wherever we go we are called salt salt is a seasoning that keeps things from decaying into death we are to literally be the salt of jesus into the broken world to produce life in it right it's not just personal it's public we are called to be lights i've called you to call you to be lights how do you know you can't have light unless it has a darkness to shine into. And so light, ultimately, is an outward thing. It's expressed in an outward sense. And so, so, our, so we are called to be light in darkness. It's not just our personal light. We go, oh, I love this light. It's so pretty. No, it's always, always being shown outward. He also calls us and says that we are to be a city on a hill. Listen, I, I, I love that when we were in Italy this past summer, they have cities literally on a hill. And so literally, you know, you know how far you can see on water? I mean, like a city set on a hill from the ocean can be seen miles and miles and miles and miles and miles, and miles away. Do you see the nature of a city? It's there is the safe place for me, on my difficult journey. Like, your life, you're supposed to be the destination. You are people's destination. Personal relationship leads to a public faith. And so the nature of our public faith then, it's imperative that we are producing fruit that when people come into it, they have something to eat of that produces life. So I ask again, what type of fruit are you producing? What's exuding from you? I don't ask this with condemnation. I just want to help lead you to a life that's producing fruit so that those who need to eat of it have something healthy to eat of that leads them to Jesus. So I want to lead you to that. I want to share a a, a quote or just like a little bit of a story, a picture of this guy. He was he lived in the third century as an anonymous guy who who was writing to a friend just before he was killed. Right. He was being he'd been persecuted for his faith. Right. And this this is what he wrote just before his impending death. You can read it on the screen. It's going to mess you up for a little bit. Take a picture of this one and take it home with you. It's a bad world, an incredibly bad world. But I had discovered In the midst of it, a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They have found a joy which is a thousand times better than any pleasure of our sinful life. They are despised and persecuted, but they care not. They are masters of their souls. They have overcome the world. These people are the Christians, and I am one of them. That should mess you up. Like, I read this from this guy, right? He says, I've discovered in this bad world a quiet and holy people who have grabbed hold of a great secret. They have found a joy better than anything else this world has to offer. Man, I love this. Leave that up there for a little bit, Hayden. Because I love this description. Because what this guy listen, what this guy is describing is what he found in Christians before he became one. You see that? He's simply describing what he found. He was living his life. Life was difficult. Life was bad. Life was suffering. Life was not not easy. Life was overwhelming. And he found these people who were expressing the fruit of a life that looked very different than the life he was living. And he said, they have something. Something is exuding from them that I don't have and I don't know what it is. What is the secret? And so he became one of them. I am one of them. I mean, isn't that what we want? Because he's describing this life, right? Of, of someone who doesn't find, right, it wasn't comfort and ease, wealth or power that brought joy. No, there was this sense of joy in the context of, of undeniable suffering and persecution, right? There was this, he found and expressed a visible and clear joy in the midst of a life that's bad and overwhelming and, caught and this grounded in suffering, We find this great secret in the midst of persecution and suffering. Martin Lloyd-Jones, in writing about joy, said this. I don't have it on the screen, just pay attention here. It says, joy is a peculiar word which cannot honestly be excla- explained. It cannot be defined in the dictionary. Instead, we must find it in the New Testament. Jesus was a man of sorrows. And acquainted with grief, yet was full of joy. Meaning our understanding of joy must also include this idea, also. Do you see what he's naming? He's like, he says, we can't, we can't, we, we, we can't quantify it. All we see is the reality of it. And in the, in the, in in being a man who, was, who understood grief and suffering in the midst of it, found Joy. Joy defined him. It was a wellspring. It was the fruit that people always could take hold of, even in the midst of overwhelming difficulty and, and, and hardship in their lives. He's expressing this joy, again, the nature of visible and expressed joy in the midst of suffering. As I read this this past week, I was challenged. I was unbelievably challenged by this idea of a life marked by joy. Marked by joy, which is a thousand times better than any pleasure of our sinful life. Anything that our life has to offer. Is my life marked by this outward, visible, and expressed Fruit of joy that people could partake of at any time. You see, Martin Lloyd-Jones names it the secret joy in the midst of everything to the secret to this this life that these followers of Jesus were were living in 300 A.D., right? In the midst of literally being thrown to the lions, and in the midst of, of being persecuted and run out of their homes, and their homes burned, and their children being killed, in the midst of unbelievable persecution and suffering, their lives were marked by a joy that this guy could see with everything inside of him. He recognized it because the thing I want you to hear me say is this. The secret of this life is joy. And joy is the destiny and the calling for every single follower of Jesus. And not just like cup half full. Or maybe you're a cup half empty person. Not just half full, but when it says here in John fifteen eleven, these things, I don't know what these things are, but they're good things because Jesus said them, right? These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. How many of you know when you go to Starbucks, you say, fill it up and they leave this much room at the top of your cup. It's not really full. You know what I'm talking about? That's sin. I'm just kidding, right? No, it's awful, right? I say full, and I want it all the way to the top because something that's full, you can't move it or it spills over. And Jesus, listen, you don't, listen, you might believe this theologically because the Bible says so, but you don't believe it with the practicality of your everyday life because you don't think it's for you. Because the destiny of God for every single one of us in the calling is that you would be full of His joy. Every day, in everything, by God, only by God, and Jesus, I me and Boom was going to put man. It's like a big deal. John 15, 11, Read it again. These things Jesus has spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you, but not half full or half empty. That your joy may be made full. Amen, amen, and amen. Do you believe it? Do you believe it's for somebody else? Do you believe he loves you that much? God's plan for us, fullness of joy in every area of our lives at all times, or even especially in moments of sorrow, grief, difficulty, Hardship, broken relationships, broken marriages, broken job situations, poverty, all the things you can think of are the badness and represent the difficulty of the life in which we live. Undeniable joy. Listen, joy is not an experience that just comes from good circumstances. That's happiness. Something good happens, and I'm happy. Joy is only joy in the midst of difficulty. Beyond that, it's just happiness. Circumstances drive happiness. Jesus leads us into joy, right? It's God's gift to believers. Joy is God's very essence, and only his presence with us can cause it to be manifest, Like Jesus equals love. Jesus equals joy. He's the source of it. Meaning the only way that you can have joy. Is through Jesus. He owns it. The only one who can give it out is him. And so that's good news for you because you can't religiously work for it. You can't do the Ten Commandments and the law. And now have joy. Joy is not given because of what you do. Joy is who Jesus is. And He brings it not because you've earned it, but because you are His child. Joy. It's the very essence of Jesus can only be manifest in us when he is with us. Joy, here's also, this is on the screen, a definition, is a deep down sense of well-being that abides in the heart of the person who knows all is well between he or herself and the Lord. Jesus. Read it again. Joy is a deep down sense of well-being that abides in the heart of the person who knows Jesus and I are good. Well done, child. Well done. I think you're awesome. And I cannot wait fill you and flood you with my joy. I cannot wait for my fruit to be manifest in your life. It's the essence of who I am that I want to give. Martin Lloyd-Jones goes on to say, there is only one thing. Here's the answer to the secret. So the secret. What's the secret? Joy. How do we get that? Well, here it is. There's only one thing that can give true joy, and that is contemplation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Press pause. You know what contemplation is. David says in Psalm 27, One thing I ask, this shall I seek. One thing that the king asks. This is the only thing that I shall seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will gaze upon and contemplate His unbelievable goodness. And then I'm going to spend the rest of my day thinking about it. Meditating on His goodness. Lloyd-Jones says there's only one thing that can give true joy, and that is contemplation. Psalm 27, contemplation of the Lord Jesus Christ. He satisfies my mind. He satisfies my my emotions. He satisfies every desire. He and his great salvation, they include the whole personality and nothing less. Basically meaning when you give your life to Jesus... He touches every part of your being. There's nothing untouched by Him, right? And nothing less. And in Him, I am complete. Joy, in other words, is the response to what I've seen and the reaction of the soul to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You should take a picture of that too. Someone much smarter than me said that. Joy is the response to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ And the reaction of my soul, my mind, will, and my emotions to knowing him. Franz Joseph Haydn, he was a great Austrian composer, was once asked why his church music was so cheerful. He said this. Ah, this is so good. Sorry to put it on the screen for you. When I think upon God, my heart is so full of joy... The notes dance and leap, as it were, from my pen. And since God has given me a cheerful heart, it will be pardoned me that I serve him with a cheerful spirit. Isn't that awesome? I look upon him and my pen just leaps off the page with cheerful adoration. And so I go to church and I'm full of joy. Because he's good. Because I've contemplated him. I've seen him. I've been loved by him. I am now complete and I am full. And all I can do is say, you're awesome. And I sing a song about it. That, my friend, is why I'm cheerful. Bam. And he's out of there. I sat with Tammy Hutchins, most of you, some of you don't know her. Tammy's a great friend of many of us in this room who runs Karube Home, a children's home in India. She started in 1999. And if, you, and if all of you have been around her, you know, here's a woman who experiences the joy of God in the midst of difficult circumstances. And I sat with her, our, our team, some of our teams sat with her a couple of years ago and and we're asking her questions, you know, like, what does it look like for you? And because they're home, they they, inter- they do a lot of do intercession. All that means is they really pray for people and don't give up until the answer comes. Right? That's, that's intercession. I pray for someone else until the answer comes and don't give up. So they've been praying for the unreached people groups of the world for 13, 14, 2014 for 15 years now. They've been literally fasting and praying every Sunday night, six years old and up, for, for breakthrough in the nations. They know how to intercede. They're better at it than all of us in the room by God, amen. I could just tell stories all <laughs> day long about that, but I won't. But I asked her, we, somebody asked her in or in the room, I said, I said, what does it look like for you to in your prayer time with the Lord? You you ask it in your religious voice. Tell us about what it looks like to pray. You know what I'm talking about, like the, the all holy. She goes. She goes. I don't intercede very often. Okay. What do you mean? She goes. Intercession is difficult, and it's tiring. So I spend most of my time just basking and contemplating Jesus, basking in His presence. She said, I view every morning as if Jesus is a waterfall and I go sit under it for as long as I'm able to handle it. And I let him renew me and I let him fill me and I let him love on me and I let him do this new and massive work in my life. And then there are moments he calls me to intercede. And I went. Amen. See, if you want to live their real life, being who God created you to be and doing what God called you to do, the secret is the joy of God. Because if I'm living in the context of joy, this deep abiding sense of His love and His delight and this peace and this rest in the midst of persecution and suffering, then my friends, I have confidence to live every day of my life And the source of that joy is only Jesus. And it comes as we contemplate him by simply gazing upon, looking at him. No human being can satisfy you. If you ever got, if you got married for the purpose of your spouse satisfying you, sorry, that's why your marriage is struggling probably. Because you put your spouse in the place only Jesus is supposed to be. It's Jesus who satisfies. It's Jesus who meets your needs. It's Jesus who fulfills every longing. It's Jesus who will not turn His back on you ever nor forsake you. It's Jesus only. And as you contemplate Him, and as you are sitting with Him, you automatically change. If you want to grow and mature, you don't have to do anything, honestly, but contemplate Him. Contemplate him in the word, contemplate him in just sitting still before him and listening. Just contemplate his goodness. Earlier, we read the words of the man about to die for his faith. He said, I have discovered in the midst of a bad world, a quiet and holy people who have learned the great secret. They have found the joy, which is a thousand times better than any pleasure of our sinful life. The secret is simple. A contemplation of Jesus which bleeds into every area of my life and leads to a true joy that is visibly expressed in spite of hardship or persecution and my tree is ripe for the picking. Take a moment this morning in contemplation and ask God, how is my tree looking, Jesus? How is my tree looking? Are you pleased? And then listen. And he's not going to condemn you. He's going to first say, I love you and thank you for asking. If you hear anything other than that, then you're not hearing God's voice. He will first say, I love you. Thank you for asking. And then he will tell you. And the answer is going to be simple. All he's going to say is, you can't work for it. You can't produce it. You can't go to church enough, read your Bible enough, have enough quiet time, go on enough mission trips, lead the, share the gospel enough to make it happen. The only thing that can produce this joy that leads to confidence in your relationship is to sitting with Him, contemplating Him, and knowing Him. Let's pray. Father, It delights You whenever we look to You. Whenever, even just for a moment, we turn our gaze to You. You have said this in the song of songs, You have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart with a glance of Your eyes. Father, there is something true about the nature of Your such a strong affection for us that, God, as we come to be with You, it excites You. And Father, this morning we come and say, Jesus, we want to contemplate You, focus on You, see You to the point that it satisfies and fulfills the deepest longings of our heart to the point, God, that we stand confident and full and complete in joy in our lives in the midst of persecution, hardship, difficulty, and the overwhelming nature of what that guy said, a bad world. Help us. Because you know we've tried very hard to produce these things in our own strength. And you know that you've designed us to fail every time. Because if we could do it, then we wouldn't need you. And we wouldn't pursue you. And we would walk away from you. But you've designed it so that only you can meet our needs. So that we live perpetually in need of you, coming after you. And faithfully being met by You. Jesus, have Your way this morning. We pray this in Your name. Amen.